We were here last year and we had such a great time. Uh, and it was such a presence of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to all of us. And that's what He wants to do all the time. Not just one time when we meet for a training. The Lord wants to speak to us all the time because He has abundant life for us. He wants to give us His ideas, His plans, His heart, His love, everything that we need in order to be fruitful. And fruits are so important. John 15, 8 says that if we bear what? No, doesn't say fruit. There's a key word. Much fruit. This is how the Father is going to be glorified. It doesn't say little fruit. It says if we bear much fruit, this is how the Father will be glorified, and we will be His disciples. Lord, help us be your disciples. Speak to us. And may this be just uh, the beginning of the years that we have on this earth you will continue to speak to us and we continue to hear you every single day with the same passion, the same desire to hear you. May this desire never leave us, Father. As you call us in this ministry, may we be sharp on our ears that we will always listen to your Holy Spirit, that we will bear much fruit for your glory, that people will come to the kingdom of God and will spend eternity with you, Father. We thank you so much that you have chosen us you have chosen us to do the ministry of the gospel. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, every time I come, I mean, for us, Teen Challenge Southern California represents so much. It's like the mothership uh, for Teen Challenge Romania because we, when we started 16 years ago, um, we started going out on the streets. You don't start the ministry with money. You start the ministry because the Lord calls you. And you go out there on the streets and you wonder how you're going to pay the bill. You wonder if you have money for transportation. You wonder if you're going to have some sandwiches, baloney sandwiches that you take on the streets. You don't know if you're going to have them. You don't know if you're going to pay the phone bill or anything. But, but you have peace. You know you're doing, in your, you don't have all the answers. Actually, you don't. Most of the answer you don't have, and that's kind of frustrating. I don't know for you, but it's like, so, but you go, you have the peace. And his peace trespasses all understanding. And that's why the peace is so important in everything, in our relationships, in the next step, in the season we are. Peace is the sign we're doing what we're supposed to do, and we are who we're supposed to be. So it's always that flashlight that you know you're doing that. So every time I come here, as we were going out on the streets, the Teen Challenge, Southern California got behind us and they said, we want to be part of the ministry and been part of it since. And we were so blessed. And even this year with Micah team and Rosie coming and we had such a great time. And I want to, first of all, I really want to extend a thank you from, from Teen Challenge Romania. I want to bless you and we bless you in Jesus name with all kind of blessings heavenly blessings earthly blessings and because I don't think so because of your influence you know directly and indirectly because of your leadership here 
I think one day, you, right now on this earth, I don't think so, you will know how many people you will, you will, you've touched because you've done something. You added, you said yes to the Lord, but one day we will. And I believe with all my heart that that day will come and we will all stand in front of our Lord Jesus. And what do we want to hear? Well done. Well done. And I pray that we will all live that kind of life. Faithful lives that will honor God. They will be faithful in little things. So when we die, it doesn't matter when, because that's not in our control. When we die, we die with what? With a smile on our face. You know, like somebody said, actually, there's a, it's an Indian saying that's one of my favorites. It says, when you're born, you cried, and everybody else rejoiced. Live your life in such a way that when you die, you rejoice, and everybody else cries. I love that so much because in a way it's, it represents the kind of lifestyle, the kind of life that the Lord is calling us to do. And many times we doesn't feel that way, especially when you are in Teen Challenge Ministry. It's because it's so intense. I wanted to quit Teen Challenge Ministries so many times. I was thinking earlier, I was thinking, Lord, I want to thank you so much for the grace and because I believe it was his grace that I didn't quit. Amen. It wasn't, my mind was like, okay, it's enough, too much. But it was his grace that helped me, kept going, and it was just, kept going, and I didn't quit. And every year I see more and more of what God is doing. And I thank God for his grace for that. Every time I come here, and it's been now 15 years, I don't know if you realize, probably, you know, you are in the middle of it, but for me it's easier when I come and, and see it. There's something that is powerful that the Lord is doing among you. Um, especially in the last years, I see a lot of cutting and trimming and pruning. Um, I've sensed it a few years before, but I just see it so clear. And every year, every time I come, and even this year, it's like there's more... I call it the freshness of the spirit. There's more unity. There's, it's, it just feels like in an army. I mean, even this place just feels like we are, we are getting ready to go on a mission operation. And tonight is the night. Amen. Two o'clock, guys. So this is our last speech. I don't know who's going to be back tomorrow. I don't know who's going to return. But imagine, people do that. Yeah. But it just feels that way. And, but the, 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 the great thing about us is that we're doing it for Jesus. And we're doing it for eternal purposes. And that's absolutely fantastic. I really want to thank Ron Brown, who's been so, such a mentor to my life and helped me through some, our families, so many things. One talk, I just want to thank Don. So Ron, Don, John. You guys, all those leadership, like, you have to end with on, because I, I believe, I, I guess you are on for Jesus. 
So if your name doesn't end in on, just Mike on. <laughs> just Crystal on. But I want to thank you because it's been such a blessing, Rosie and Tom. Just family. God bless you guys. And it's really good to be here. And I have my heart is full. I don't know how much we'll be able to go through everything these days. But uh, um, there's some things that the Lord laid on my heart. And I believe it's for all of us. And it has to do with the closeness, with, the, uh, with intimacy. And every time I talk to people, I, and especially I talk to Christians and I ask them, especially those mature Christians, those people that we look up to them. And I ask them, what are three things that you want from God more than anything? If, if you would have to ask God for three things, what would you ask God for? So they, they think probably it's for the first time when somebody's asking them that, and they, they go, I want anointing. Most of them, mature Christians, the ones that love Christ, they say they want anointing. They want power. They want that, that when they pray, something happens. Because that's anointing. When you speak, something happens. When you teach, something happens. When, whatever you do, when you call, something happens. Because it's anointing is supernatural. It doesn't come from the man. doesn't come from his mind. It comes from the throne of heaven. And it's just a supernatural thing that... You say and you do supernatural things. And mature people, mature Christians, and more so teen challenge workers, they need this more than anything. Anointing. Then the second thing they tell me, and it's interesting because as I looked at the, at the list when I asking people, and sometimes I have a mental list, they say this. They want, so this is the second. First was anointing. The second is a lot of anointing. <laughs> True. They say, I want anointing, not that it's enough for the first hours of the day. I don't want that kind of anointing that I go to Teen Challenge, and by 11 o'clock, I need five espresso to get a little bit of the anointing that I had two hours previous. So. I want that kind of anointing that when I go home at 8 p.m. or whatever time is, I'm anointed when I come home. Yeah. I'm anointed when I speak with my wife. I'm anointed when I speak with my kids. I'm anointed when I'm, when I'm dating, if I'm not married. But so that anointing comes over me. That means you have to be a vessel. That means you have, you have to have a capacity. Yeah. Because, you, I mean, anointing, God, God has a lot for us. And every time he gives the anointing, he's not poorer doesn't even, he has more anointing. But what kind of vessel are we? Are we a little espresso cup? Or are we like a big cup? So when you talk to people, people say, I want more anointing. They want anointing. They want more anointing. So when they finish the day, they finish with the anointing. And the third thing they usually say is they want fire. They want that passion that will never leave their hearts. They don't want to start well in a ministry and then kind of fade out, get cold, 
get cynical, get like professional. They said, no, I don't want to be professional. I want to have anointing. I want to have a lot of anointing. I want to, I want to live with that fire inside of me. I want to live with that passion. I want to, be, I want to have that first love. First love when you, were, when you knew Christ. First love when you, the Lord called you to Dean Challenge. How many of you remember when you first signed up for Dean Challenge and there was that excitement? You're almost like, ah, this is cool. I can't believe I'm, I'm going to be a staff and I'm going to do this. And there's this excitement. Well, mature people, they want that to stay for the rest of their lives. So when they wake up in the morning, they don't just go to a job. They go to a call. They go to something that they, they are looking so forward to. Because when you are full of fire, what happens when, when, when there is a fire? You're gonna, everything will burn around you. Everything will get warm around you. Because you're full of fire. So these three things. And I believe with all my heart that if people would desire these three things, teen challenge workers should have these three things. I would fire them if they don't have these three things. I'm sorry. No, I'm just joking, joking, of course. We think, you know, I'm in Romania. I'm serious about this. But these three things are so and so important. People are asking. They say, yeah, but how about wisdom? I need wisdom in the ministry. Well, what's the highest form of wisdom? Leading of the Holy Spirit. The highest form of wisdom is the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's anointing. Because, you know, you can have wisdom and experience and other things, but that may not work with a certain person in the certain moment. The, because you're really listening to the Holy Spirit, and I believe with all my heart, that's the secret of this life. And that's the secret of us being fruitful in the ministry, to continually listening to the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing because we're working less, but we have more, more results. And when we go home, we're not exhausted. It feels like you just had such a great day, and you just had such a fruitful day. Yes, physically, maybe you are exhausted, you're tired, but... In your spirit, there's excitement, there's fire, there's passion, and you're looking forward to the next day. Is anointing a gift? Is more anointing or capacity is a gift? Is passion a gift? Let me tell you a story. My grand, we are grandparents, Altitsa and I have three grandkids already. Uh, we, we married when we were nine years old. In communism, that's what we're supposed to do. No, I'm just kidding. But we do, we do have th uh, three grandkids. And one of my grandkids, Dennis is his name, came over. He lives in another town. And he comes over to our house. And we have a little dog. It's called, his name is Skittles. He's a white little bichon. And he's just like, he loves people and he loves kids. But my Dennis was about four years old. So he steps into the house, and my Skittles immediately jumps, jumps at him, and he's scared, and runs into another room. And then, you know, we let him around, so I went to, I was in another bedroom. And then, and then I hear this scream in the living room. I burst out in, in the living room, and Skittles was trying to not attack Dennis, but, you know, wanted to play. 
and he was barking. It, that, that little dog doesn't bite, but he makes a lot of noise. You know, kind of a little devil, huh? So make a lot of noise, barks a lot, and so he's, he's so sweet. But my Dennis was traumatized. I mean, he was like screaming and jumping. His face was like, and then he, he, he went on the couch, and immediately I went and I picked him up. I took him in my arms. Skittles were still barking and trying to get him, and I said, Skittish, stop. And of course, he stopped. Dennis is looking at the whole thing. So I said, Skitty, sit. We trained him. So, and we trained him in like a communist training. Like, you don't do this two signs for one thing. You just do it one time. So I said, Skitty, sit. And he immediately sat. Dennis, my grandson, he was like amazed by the whole thing. So he's like looking and he's wondering what happened. And then, of course, I, he, he's sitting and, and I, I got Dennis down a little bit, and Dennis looks at Skitty, and Skitty's just looking at him, and, and then again he starts barking, and he starts screaming. And I said, okay, Skitty, stop. Stop. And then he was calm. Then I let Dennis down. Well, Dennis, again, Skitty starts barking at him, and Dennis goes, sit. My Skitty, sit. And he suddenly starts enjoying playing with my Skittles. What happened? What happened there? The closeness with me, that, that intimacy, that closeness, did it change his circumstance? It did not change the circumstance. The Skittle was still there. He was still barking, still wanted to get him. But the closeness with me changed his attitude, Dennis' attitude. Then the closeness to me, it changed his authority because he tells Skitty, sit. And Skitty sat. This, that closeness changed everything. Didn't change his circumstance, but it certainly changed his authority, Dennis' authority. It certainly changed his attitude and Few minutes later, guess who they were playing in the living room? Like throwing things, playing with little cars, both of them. The closeness with me changed everything. This is us when we get closer to Jesus, when we get closer to Christ every day. Not one time in a nice conference or like once in a while, once a year, every day. You want authority in your life? Get close to Jesus now, if you want the authority now. If you want it in three months from now, get close to Jesus in three months from now. No, that's not the solution. They are not gifts. I'll tell you, um, there is this amazing prayer that Paul wrote in Ephesians. I don't know if we can can post Ephesians 3, but it's okay if we don't. I can ask somebody to read it in English, because if I read it, nobody will understand. But it's, it's this thing that Paul really tells us, that the closest we are to Jesus, we'll have more authority, we will be recapacitated, and we'll be re-fired. 
And it's one of the most incredible prayers. It, lately, in the last years, this prayer has changed my life and even the way I pray for my kids and the, the way I pray for the staff, the way I pray for the students. And it has become this, like, I'm frustrated that nobody told me about this prayer. Truly, I'm like, why didn't you, somebody tell me 10 years ago, there's something in this passage of the Bible that's going to change your life. Probably I wouldn't have listened. You know, it's one of those moments that you have revelation. But in Ephesians 3, from 14 to 21. And Paul writes this. For this reason, and I like how he starts. Because of this, I'm praying. He says, for this is I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I, I'll stop here a little bit because I can't, like every time I read this and I, I see this, we are, where does our name come from? Micah, Lord Jesus Christ, who's, uh, I don't know you, about you, but I was, in the summertime, I would go to my grandma in a village in the middle of nowhere. You will be back 500 years if you go there. So they just got electricity and they got phone some year, number of years ago, and they have now uh, some modern little things, but it's back in time. So whenever I was at my grandma, people, they never ask, what's your name? They never ask this. They always ask me, Who's, whose child are you? Like every time you walk on the streets and somebody didn't know you, whose child are you? And they, I would say, okay, I'm, 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 I'm Bacchus. And they'd be like, oh, I know the family. And it's just like, if you were from a good family, they were smiling and they would be like, but if you were from like, you know, drunk, loser family, they kicked you and they would spit on you and you would run. So, but it would matter whose child you were. And I'm reading this passage and it's like, our names, when we become Christians, our name change because we belong to Jesus. And you know what that means? Authority. Because it's family. It's not just, we're not just, some relative, somebody well said that God doesn't have nephews. God doesn't have these distant relatives. God has children. Yes. And I like this passage because make it, Paul makes it so clear that from the old family in heaven and earth is named. And that, he continues in verse six, 16, that he would grant you, Jesus is granting us, he's the one that Grants, according to what? I love this. According to his rich, riches of his glory. Not according, not even according to my prayer request. And I praise God for that because many times our prayer requests are so small and so pathetic and so limited by our mentality. And he says, no, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through what? Through His Spirit. This is how we get strengthened. Through His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, I love this, those words, above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What, is pass what this passage is saying is that this beside, the secret beside, behind spiritual authority is what? Spiritual intimacy. If you really read few times, I mean, this is the kind of passage that you got to read it 10 times. You've got to memorize it. And it will make a difference if you memorize it. Now we have our staff at Teen Challenge Romania. We all memorize Bible verses. And, and at the end of the month, when we are at the staff meeting, we all have to say the Bible verses we memorized that month. And I have guys now, new staff, that comes up with this long passage. And I'm like, wow, because I don't even know that passage. But it's like, I love it. And they all, and they, they all tell me the same thing, which I experienced this. Every time you memorize it, it's different. It's like it becomes alive. You go, I can't believe I've read it so many times. But because I had to memorize it, now it comes alive. Now I see the connections and I see the depth and I see, because you're taking time. That closeness with the word brings revelation. Again, closeness. Again, intimacy. That every time you ponder and you think, that it goes, you, 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 you get that spiritual intimacy. And we all want spiritual authority, don't we? Yes. Now, we neglect the fact that spiritual authority only comes when you have spiritual intimacy. And when you, you see here that we get, when you get close to Jesus, three things will change prof profoundly. And I was telling earlier, the authority, our authority changed profoundly, changes profoundly. Our capacity changes profoundly. The size of our, this is our capacity, the size of our vessel. And our fire or passion changes. Authority is not a gift. Authority is the fruit of that closeness, is intimacy with him. We all want spiritual authority, but few have it. Have you, have you seen staff, at, even at Teen Challenge, that have little theology, but they have a lot of authority? And have you seen staff that has a lot of theology, but little authority? Where's, where's the difference? Where's the secret? It's in closeness and in intimacy with God. One spends more time in the Word, more time praying, more time preparing himself in the presence of the Lord. And then he goes out, a teen challenge, and he passes some students, and he stops and says, Sir, can I pray for you? This is something that... And then they pray, and, and the Lord shows them things. And one 
minute changes a destiny because you are anointed. Instead of just trying hard, mentoring, classes, talks, resolving conflict, and we just rotating. Anointing stops that. Anointing breaks that chain and that circle of inability and powerlessness. That's the difference. It's in closeness and intimacy. I love what uh, Ron is saying. Ron Brown is saying this a lot in Romania, and I've heard him first time, I think, 15 years ago. He says that to get saved by Christ, by Christ doesn't cost you anything because he has paid the price. But to get anointing, it costs you everything. I mean, that stayed with me. And, and first time when I heard it, I was like, do I agree with this? Because it sounded like, do I have to pay the price for anointing? Isn't that a gift? Isn't that like the Lord just pouring anointing on me and I'll be fine? No, you pay a price for the anointing. It's being faithful in little things. And we'll look tonight, hopefully, I have to look at the time so I don't, you don't fall asleep with me here. But we still have 25 minutes. But it costs you a lot. Everything shows up in authority. Absolutely everything shows up in authority. My grandson start acting with authority because of what? Because the closeness with me. He starts acting like he was a little boss. He was acting like he's the trainer of my Skittles. And a few minutes before, he was like so scared. And he was not going to be in that house anymore. But because of that closeness, he starts having authority. He starts commanding the dog, the intimacy. Another thing that changes is the capacity. And Paul talks about the importance of capacity. And you read in the verse 20 that it's the power that works in us. That's what's working in you is that determine what's working for you. If you want more authority, we all need to possess more what? Capacity. If we are just a small little vessel, if we are just, you know, a little thing, I mean, the Lord will pour, but what's the capacity? Where every time we sit in the presence of the Lord, our capacity changes. In a way, we are like, well, I'll go later to that, but we are like glasses. We are like cups. Let's just every time... And that's what should be our desire. Every time we should, when we go in the presence of the Lord, just start asking him, Lord, make me a large vessel. Make me wide and deep and, and high and just reshape me continually. So when, I, when you pour your anointing, it should be a lot of anointing. So I don't run, never run out of it. So every day, when every, I mean, every year we should have more anointing. People that meet you today, they should tell you, wow, I, I met you a couple of months ago. Man, what happened with you? There's more anointing. There's something. It's, that's how we should live our lives. And we, when we stay in his presence, that's when it happens. Greater intimacy equals greater capacity. And greater capacity is greater anointing and God is ready to give it to us 
God is ready to give it to us. He's not short of it. It's not like I was sitting today. I went to Pismo Beach, and uh, it wasn't for prayer. It was for, for clam chowder. But I, we were there, and I'm, I, we were walking on that. And I was watching the ocean and all this. Just imagine we going right now on Pismo Beach, and we all choose a vessel, a cup, a bucket, maybe some of us like a big container, maybe like five containers, huge, like a huge trucks. And we all go right now at the ocean, and we take it from the ocean. <coughs> Do you think the ocean will be, be like, oh my gosh, it's less water now. <laughs> won't even, like, if we keep pumping for the next, what? years, the ocean stays the same. And it's an ocean. It's a creation of God. Yeah. Not even talking about creator who created the ocean. Yeah. He's unlimited. He's limitless. He's like we go every time to him and he's pouring and he's not like, okay, enough because I need to have more anointing for the other guys. No. <laughs> more. It's the capacity. It's the capacity of our vessel that determines the anointing. So every time we are in the presence of the Lord, we're going to recapacitate. And there are three things. And I mean, before I go to the three things, I, I had an idea. I had a, an image when I was preparing about the popcorn. We are like a popcorn. I mean, have you ever eaten uh, uh, popcorn that is not prepared or pop, popped. Have you ever eaten that? At the end, it will break your teeth. I mean, we all know at the end when, when we are not careful, we're watching, and then something. It's, it's tough. It's very tough. Why do you think it explodes? There is, inside of that, it's moisture. Inside of that seed, and I did school for that, and so inside of that seed, it's a lot of moisture. In contact with power or with heat, just the pressure starts building. And then, boom, yeah. just starts exploding. The funny thing is that you can't even find the, the shell. Have you ever looked for the shell? It's like, where's the shell of this one? It's not. Because this is, this is what happens with us every time we get closer to Jesus. Every time we intentionally we will go to these three things that we have to do every day. Every time we get close, we recapacitate. And when we recapacitate, we grow in, in the vessel, in the, in the love of Christ. We grow in the depth, in revelation, and everything. And as a result, when we ask for anointing, when the Lord gives us anointing, what happens? It's a big vessel. And three things that reshape and recapacitate the vessel. The bad news about these three things is that we have to be the ones that make the first step. That's the bad news. So if you want to reshape, if you want your capacity, you and I are the ones that have to make the first step. Why is it says? James 4 Verse 8, it says, come near to God, and he 
will come near to you. Isn't that interesting? Why is it like this? See, we don't, we don't really get there. It's almost frustrating, but we really understand when we're dealing with a guy who wants to enter into the program, or a girl. Are they motivated enough? Do they really want to come to the program? We have to screen them well because motivation matters. We're not going to waste resources because our God, I mean, if you, if, you, if you study our Father, you'll see that we have an extravagant Father. Is that true? We tr I mean, all of us, we live, we're blessed beyond even our prayer request. I mean, it was God just extravagantly gave us a lot of things in our life. But he is also a father that is very particular, very, he takes care of every little thing. So when we waste something, he's very careful with that. Look at many, in many aspects in the Bible, you can tell that the father is paying attention to little details. He's an extravagant God, but he's not wasting anything. So come near to God and he will come near to you. I like the version in the message. It says, say a quiet yes to God and he'll, he will be there in no time. First thing out of these three things that reshape and recapacitate our vessel. The power of a place. That has changed my life. But you know why uh, I observed this? Every morning, Ultitsa wakes up many times before I do. And uh, I enter the living room, and she's always in one place. She has her place. She's on, at the table in a corner with the Bible open, espresso, the third one by the time I wake up. And, and she's reading there, and she has her time. And, and one, one day I was going through the Bible, and I read in Genesis about how God decided to have a place for Adam and Eve. I mean, a place. I mean, he could have the whole earth, but he decided to have this garden. So there's power in that. Because there's that place that he meets them. And you see, because they were happy until they messed up. And after they messed up, they start playing hide and seek. And they got away from that place. But the place has power. And I don't know about you, but I believe with all my heart that we all need a place. And many times you, it, when you wake up, choose something. Choose a couch. Choose a, a corner of the street. Even here, I challenge you. Choose a place while you are here for these days where you're going to be having your devotion with Christ, just you and Him. But it has, sometimes we say, I'm going to have devotion with Christ. But we don't choose a place. We don't choose a time. But we expect that the devotion will happen. It's like trying to date somebody, but we're not going to talk about a place. We're not going to where we meet. We will meet one day. I, I like you so much. I want to see you. Okay. Where and when? Does that matter when you date somebody or doesn't? I'm just driving throughout the town. Maybe I run into her. That's never happened. There's a place. There's power in that place. And that idea of a place is God's idea. Our place in our family, and it, which is the table, has changed our family dynamic. Um, we're busy with ministry. I mean, it was crazy. We, we raised four children, and 
um, one of them was uh, um, the Dennis that I was telling you about, the grandson. His mom was pushed in a big fire when she was 10 years old. And uh, she was living on the streets. She wasn't our biological, she's not our biological daughter. We, we raised her. But she was pushed in a big fire. And um, she got entangled in tires. There were some tires and, um, and she was burned half of her body. I mean, the, her heart stopped, the ambulance came. They uh, pulled her out of there. She was living on the streets at that time and had a, a terrible family. Took her to the, to the burn unit. The doctor says she will never be able to walk in her life because her tendons were burned. And she was just, I mean, abandoned in the burn unit for seven months. At that time, we were renovating the burn unit. So we, we took the teams there. We were trying to help the burn unit because the burn unit was terrible. And that's when the doctor came to us and they said, please take this girl, the girl, we had a girl's home. Before Teen Challenge, I worked with three kids for seven years. And we had a, a girl's home and a, and a boy's home. And the doctors knew we have the girl's home and they said, please take her. And I said, doc, you know, we cannot take her. It's too much, we don't have the staff, we don't have the capacity, we have this, they said, please take her. And we're like, I don't know. And I, so he came and he insisted, bless his heart. He insisted every day for a few days and he said, please take her. And then one day he told me, he said, listen, if you don't take her, you know where she's going to end up. She's going to end up in the, in the orphanage. And that's the end of her life. But I said, doc, she will, never, she will never be able to walk and she needs attention. He said, come on. He said, you know, something will come up. I mean, he's not even a Christian. And he talks to me like, hey, don't you believe in a God that arranges things? And just, just take that step of faith. And, and I went to the staff, and we talked to the staff of the girls' home, and I said to myself, I'm going I'm to have a secret vote. So all the staff, we had 11 girls staff at that time. I said, if one says no, for me to sign, we don't take her. And uh, I was trying to get, like, that compassion, like heart, you know, that a man has sometimes. But, you know, he was so busy, so many, so many crazy things were going on. It wasn't, we were overwhelmed with a lot of things there. So... All the staff said yes. We took her in, and then um, uh, she started to walk a little bit. I mean, it was years of recovery and surgeries and everything. And then we took her in our home, and we raised her, and she, she gave birth to her child. And actually, she, the doctor said she will never be able to walk. She did even gymnastics. Wow. The Lord touched her. I mean, she was like unbelievable healed. And then we were thinking maybe she will never be able to get married. I mean, you don't want to know how she looked. So we're like, okay, well, she will be with us for the rest of our lives. Well, she married a, such a handsome guy, and he, she has two beautiful kids, gorgeous kids, and she's just an amazing, amazing mother. And with her in the house, with the other three kids, every evening we would have our place, and it was around the table. And it was our tradition for years. Now, we only have one kid at home. He's 19 almost. But even now, we're talking about our place. Because every evening, we would all come. We'll all put the table, uh, the food on the table. And then we'll ask, what was the best moment of the day? What was the worst moment of the day? And what was the funniest moment of the day? And we would find out a lot of interesting things that happened throughout the day. We'd be quiet. We'd be like, oh, this is bad. Let's talk about No, we'll just 
let them let them vent, and then we'll talk later about this because you you find out a lot of interesting stuff when when you ask questions. But that place, it wasn't like let's sit down, let's meet in front of the apartment, let's meet in the living room, let's meet in my bedroom. It was a place that we all gather, and there is a power. There is power in that place when you have a place in the house. Another thing is the power of the word, and we all know how powerful the word of God is. And, and it's so important that you start the day with the Word of God and you end the day with the Word of God. I know this is so basic, but Coca-Cola? Do you know what Coca-Cola is? Who, who doesn't know what Coca-Cola is? Anybody here that doesn't know what Coke is? Coca-Cola, we call it. We all know, huh? Why do they advertise? They already know. If I go now in a small village in Africa, like, the, like a tiny, they don't even have electricity, you're going to find Coca-Cola there. There's going to be one item that you will find. It's the same in China, the same everywhere. You'll find Coca-Cola. And everybody knows Coca-Cola. If you ask an African, an Asian, a Romanian, it's like, oh, yeah, Coca-Cola. Of course I know Coca-Cola. They don't know anything else. They don't even know where America is on this planet. They don't even know there is an America, but they know there is Coca-Cola. <laughs> Guess what? They, you know how much they invest in marketing every year? Billions. Yeah. Billions. Isn't that weird? Because everybody knows what Coca-Cola is, and we're still investing. Like, we want people to know we exist. Well, we, all, we know you exist. No, they know we have such a short memory. They know that. They know that we, are, need to be, we need to be reminded the important things. For them, the important thing is to buy Coca-Cola. For us, the important thing is to really open the Bible every day. Yes. In the morning and in the evening. Start the day with that food. End the day with that food. Don't, don't have the regrets that sometimes I had. Like going home in the evening, opening the Bible after a day of like a crazy day. And then I open the Bible on my daily reading. And I read what I was supposed to read in the morning, and I go, oh, my God, I needed this so much in the morning. I'm almost like frustrating. Why don't you, why didn't you read yourself to me in the morning before I left? <laughs> like, I'm frustrating with the word because in that day, I needed that word so bad. Now, it's such a nice word. It's just useless for action. And it's like, and then you... Then you know, next morning, it's like, I'm not going to let this go. What happens is you read it, nothing happens that day. But then after 30 days, you read something in the morning, and you're going to use it. Because it's commitment. It's not playing with God, but it's commitment to the Word. And it's, it's, this is how we're going to be strong. This is how we're going to recapacitate. Because the Word of God recapacitates us. It grows us. It expands us. It changes us. Because the living Word of God, it separates, it cuts, it does... Surgery is the most powerful neurosurgeon in this world. It's the Word of God. Amen. And it's, we need that every day. And then the last one that recapacitates our vessel is the power of action. Why do I say this? So you, you, you need a place, you need the Word, and you need to really get going. You have to start working. So you read and you start planning. A lot of people, they wait for the ideal situation. You know when you learn, when you recapacitate the most? When you do it. A lot of people want to speak, 
or want to teach classes, want to teach Apple, but they say, I need to prepare myself for a few years there on the chair. No, I'll tell you how you prepare. You step in faith. You're going to say some interesting stuff first time. <laughs> Nobody will li really listen to you. It'll be like half of people will just fall asleep. You're going to be a little discouraged for it, but you only become better at what you do. Yeah. It's power in action. And you step up and you say, Lord, I want to be fruitful for you. I'm going to step up in faith. I'm going to just have action. I want to recapacitate. Every time you do more, you're going to grow more. Yeah. The word grow, grows you. The, the, the action grows you. And when you go in that place, even if you don't, I return a little bit to the place even if you don't feel like. Have you ever had a meeting with somebody that some, in the process, you said, okay, let's meet Wednesday at two o'clock in that place, that coffee shop. Then something happened the day before, something, something happens in that day in the morning, and you really don't wanna go to that meeting. You like truly don't wanna, you wanna call it off, but, but you wanna keep your word, you wanna be a man of your word, you wanna be, so you go. Inside of you, you just want to like, oh, please, let's do this short. But you go and you show up and something magic happened. Yeah. You just like, yeah. you start having a conversation that turns into something powerful and you leave encouraged. Yeah. You leave like, man, it was so good that I was there. It's the same with the place. You go sometimes just dragging your feet. You sit down in your place. I'm here, I don't even know what to say. Good morning, I guess. And then you will see what happens. Because you put yourself aside. You separated yourself and you give yourself to the Lord. The way you are. With little fire maybe. Or, but because of that, you recapacitate. The Lord speaks to you. The Word speaks to you. And then you're getting ready to go out there and do it. And the last one is the fire. So I said the, the authority, you know, the secret behind the authority, the capacity, and the passion is closeness to Christ. But the last one is the fire. The closer to Jesus, the more fire we have in us. What's the difference, and I ask you, what's the difference between Pluto, which is a very cold planet, and Mercury, for example? It's the closeness to the sun. It's not really the, the substances that made the planets. It's the closeness to the sun. So you want passion in your life, you want fire, People first, and that's some classic mistakes. First they want passion and fire, then they want to go to God. Oh, somehow I want, I lost my passion. I need to get my passion first, then I'll, I'll, I'll do things for God. No, the reason we have passion is because we get closer to God. Yeah. All we do is we, we separate, we go to God, and in our coldness, we get closer to God. And what happens? Yeah, we start, yeah, popcorn. We start getting fired again. The, the more intimate you are with God, the more passionate 
You are for God. And the closer you are to him, the more, over, more overwhelmed you are by him. Now, um, there's a difference between, and I close with this because I know it's, it's first night, you're all tired. There's a difference between being <coughs> impressed um, and uh, overwhelmed. I mean, I remember this because I've experienced something recently. A friend of mine got a very expensive car, like a few hundred thousand dollars car. So he sent me photos. So I look at the photos and I went, this is so cool. So I was very happy for him. And, and then uh, he called me and said, hey, you want to see it? Of course I want to see it. So I went to his office and uh, he pulls the car. I'm, I'm like, and, and he, and he shows me the engine and I'm go, I was impressed. I mean, I was like, this is cool. This is really cool. And then he said, get behind the wheel. I said, no, <laughs> this is a very expensive car. And he said, come on, get behind the wheel. Got behind the wheel. And then I started driving it, and I was overwhelmed. I mean, it was a big difference between a photo, which I was like impressed. I was like, this is nice. This is great. I'm so happy for you. And sitting behind that wheel and sweating and thinking, if I scratch this car, I'm going to pay for the next 500 years of my life. And, but it wasn't that. It was just that overwhelming feeling when you are in that closeness and that intimacy, when you are one with the car and, and then you press the And um, actually, I almost hit it that day, the car, I, by this distance. I looked in the mirror to turn, and the guy in front of me stopped. And when I turn, in the last second, I just So it's. Actually, the car costs $2 million now. But I didn't scratch it, so it was good. But there is a difference. I mean, there is a difference between being ready. So the being overwhelmed, we are overwhelmed by God when we really stop everything. We say, Lord, I want to get close to you. I want to set myself aside. I want to have a place. I want to read the word. And even, even when we sit here, just let him, just, let's, let's this day open our hearts in such a way, and we say, Lord, speak to me. Recapacitate me. Refire me. Fill me with your anointing. I just want to live this place a larger vessel. I want to love more. I want to be a blessing for everybody I meet. And every person, and I like what one of my friends says, and he says that pretty often. Every person that meets sees you or gets in contact with you every day. He either gets closer to God or farther away from God. Every person that meets us every day gets closer to God or farther away from God. Let it be closer to God. And it starts with us, and it really starts with the people that know us the most, our family. It's the people who see us when nobody sees us. That's the place we have to start. So when we go out to Teen Challenge, whatever the, the Lord is calling us, and it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that there is, there is no difference in the Word of God. There is no 
ministry or business or administrative. There's nothing like that. What, what was Joseph, for example? What, what do you think about Joseph from the Bible? Was he anointed? Yes. He was pretty anointed. I mean, the dreams he had, the, the, the strategy, the ideas, the wisdom that he had to create, I mean, to put on the map the Egypt and to save the nations of Egypt and many countries for the purpose of saving Israel. I mean, it's amazing. Was he a minister? Was he a preacher? He would be what? We call today, oh, the guy is in administration. The girl is, is not really in the ministry. She's, she does office work. That was Joseph. Yeah. But he, because he was anointed, because he had such capacity, and because he had such, so, such fire, and because he didn't allow the circumstance of his life to get to him, to be bitter, to become bitter, become like cynical about this. He, he was always like, if I look at, it's almost like naive when you, when you read, he's like, oh, another bad thing happened. Oh, God has a plan. I'm so curious what God is going to turn out of that. I'm like, that was his attitude nonstop. I mean, sold by his brothers and I would be bitter for the rest of my life. And he's like, oh, no, no, that was for, actually, that was a great thing. I want to thank you, brothers. You know, I want to, I mean, I'm going to, pay you for the rest of my life because you were used by God. What a perspective. But where did that come from? From his closeness to God. Because everywhere he went, he turned it into a worship moment. He turned it into, oh Lord, I want to thank you that I'm here in jail. I, I know there's something special. And I, I mean, we do have to have a lot of work here to do. And Lord, give me wisdom to turn this this, this jail into an amazing place. Of course, he end up having the keys of the jail and in charge with the jail. Then he gets to, to, be, to take care of the Potiphar's house and just probably he starts, first he started to sweep and cut the grass and then he, end up, he ended taking care of the house and being the main manager of the house. It was all the anointing. And we all know Joseph's factor because everything he did, he was blessed by God. Yeah. But where was the secret? The secret was not the blessing. The secret was his intimacy with God, yeah. his closeness to God. Yeah. Let's stand up. And let's finish tonight as we are here.